This is the Empowered Spirituality Podcast, the podcast about inclusive spirituality. Empowered Spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self. All religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. As I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs, having an education in health coaching has been transformational. Through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today. Hello, everyone. This episode, I will be talking to Jasmine Raskus, who is just amazing. I was actually on her podcast um, about a month ago by the time this airs. Um, Her podcast is called Archives for Aliens. Um, and when I met her, I think it was about two months ago that we recorded, um, I was blown away by how talented, intuitive, creative, and grounded she is. Um, and as you listen to the episode, you will see how, what I mean when I say this, you will see just how she views the world how she views art, how she views others is is amazing. <laughs> I, amazing isn't even the right word. It's downplaying just how intelligent she is. And there are times when in our interview that I was literally speechless and I didn't know what to say because I'm just so blown away by her. Um, I really, really think you will enjoy this episode. Um, Right now I'm reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which I will reference, I think, like three or four times in the interview. But it's really cool and also very, you know, just one of those cool, quote-unquote, coincidences, although I don't believe in true coincidences, that I am... I had the amazing opportunity to interact with someone who harnesses real magic in her creativity. Really, 
Um, Jasmine is so magical, and I really think you'll enjoy this episode. Um, Jasmine is a self-taught artist with a background in science. Um, Her art explores the emergent patterns that are found in natural growth, form, and collective systems, which we talk about a lot in the episode. And then outside the studio, she works with groups and individuals to use the power of art and imagination for personal growth. She's a teaching artist that was trained by the Regional Arts Commission, and she's a professional coach certified by the International Coaching Federation, or ICF. In this episode, we talk a lot about art as a form of spirituality and as a spiritual practice, how creativity can be utilized in the personal development field, self-care as an artist and as um, a coach in that field. Um, We really, we talk about reality, (laughs) um, which is where my mind was blown and I didn't know what to say. Um, um, She is just amazing. I will stop talking so that you can listen, so you can start listening (laughs) um, to the amazing interview that I had with Jasmine. Hi, I'm joined with Jasmine Raskas. Jasmine, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you. So tell us about yourself. Tell us about what you do, who you are, your hobbies, your passions. So I'm an artist and I'm a coach. And in my coaching practice, I focus on using creativity as a form of wellness. So I work with one-on-one clients and with groups. Um, And I also work as an art facilitator and teaching artist. Wow, that's a lot. How do you um, combine that creativity into what you do? So my favorite thing, one of my favorite things that I do is uh, workshops. And these are wellness workshops and also personal growth workshops that use the tools I learned in coaching and also different different types of personal growth tools. Um, but they all rely on some kind of art project or Um, even like poetry or something creative that someone has to use to be able to go through the workshop. So sometimes it's like a vision board at the end, or sometimes it's answering the questions and pictures. Ooh, that is so cool. And people can't see you, but there's all kinds of art behind you. So it looks like you're an artist as well. Yeah, I think primarily I identify as an artist and then like all of the other things I do I view through like what they call like a teaching artist lens um so even the coaching work that I do I view it as being a part of art when I bring art into it and helping people connect with art in different ways and like broadening the meaning of art because so many people are just so afraid of the word or getting anywhere near it So I really like to view all people as artists, all people as creatives and helping them connect to their own personal form of creation, whether it has anything to do with what most people would perceive as traditional art. Mm, I like that. Um, You said that a lot of people shy away from the word creativity or, or creative or art. Why do you think that is? Oh, Well, I guess there's a lot of reasons. I think that it's scary to call yourself 
a creative because at least in our current education system, we're not really encouraged to express that part of ourselves and to develop that style of thinking. I think it actually, unfortunately, gets like really squashed out of us um, in the education system because we're always taught that there, there's one answer, there's a right answer. Um, there's not a, a whole lot of teaching people how to think outside the box. And so I think when that happens at such a young age and in general, our society, I think really wants people to stick within the analytical, like productive, like you're gonna do A and B is gonna come out. All that line of thinking, it's very supported and creativity is not necessarily supported. Um, and some of that I do think has to do with like consumerism and capitalism and just the nature of like creativity takes time and there's not always an order and there's not always a reason that you can put into words. But I do believe that it's still where we get our most important ideas and answers for society's biggest problems. Mm. You said that in school we are taught that creativity is not the it's kind of taken out of us and that that can also be tied into capitalism. How would you teach your clients or give advice about how to reprogram yourself around the idea of creativity? That's a really good question. Um, I think it, a lot of it for the clients that I work with starts with giving, allowing yourself to take care of yourself. It kind of all goes back to self-care because creativity in some ways for a lot of people is like taking a long bubble bath and it doesn't have these direct results, <laughs> uh, you know, in your own life or that others can see. So I think when people can learn to honor giving themselves what they need, that's the place to start. Um, if if you know if people are already doing that and it's not a self-care issue then it might be that they just forgot how to be creative and that's another common problem that i see of uh, just being so detached from your childhood playful self that you can't remember where to locate that part of you yeah so go into some ideas for that maybe if you want Please, that would be great. Okay, awesome. So the first thing I tell people to do is try to remember like what you were passionate about and what you lost track of time in as a kid. Because um, for most kids, it's really easy to entertain yourself to, you know, go off in the woods and build a stick cabin or create a city of out of marbles like we're, kids are just constantly doing these different creative acts and at some point we forget how to do it so if you can remember a time or a strange hobby that you had as a kid uh, I think that's a really good place to start hmm. uh, another tip is if you are an artist um, because artists this can happen to artists too uh, working artists um, because if you're if you're getting your art confused with economics, then that can start to become a problem too. So you might want to reconnect with creativity by opening up to a different practice. 
Uh, I know I've definitely experienced this a lot myself. And so like one time I just started drawing with crayons again, instead of painting, I'll be like an example for a visual artist, but oh. I know someone else uh, experienced this, a uh, visual artist, and they got really into cooking. And that cooking and being free with the cooking actually helped them be able to reconnect with their art form. Wow, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Is that something that you struggled with is connecting to your own creativity or your own art? I, thankfully, I have not struggled with that very much. I seem to have a problem where I can't stop making things. <laughs> I've always been a maker. Um, so if it's not, you know, if it's not coming out in my paintings, it's coming out somewhere else, um, like even in a podcast or in doodles or just building strange things in my room for no reason. Oh, that's so cool. And then you said that the art that you do is focusing on the patterns that you can find in natural growths and collective systems. What does that mean? This is where my obsession begins. <laughs> this, is a, this is actually the root of my life. Uh, I'm really glad we're getting to talk about art. Yeah. Tell me if I get too into like theoretical pattern stuff. Um, but so I don't know why, but so for me, this actually goes back to even answering that own question for myself. So I've always been collecting these patterns. Uh, I don't know what that's about. I'm just a collector. And I've always been like trying to figure out, um, you know, the world around me. It's kind of like that thing of awe and amazement for a tree. Like I somehow have not gotten over that. Mm. Ever. So, you know, there's benefits to that because I'm, in, I'm very easily inspired, but it also can be a problem because you get too into that, it's, it's distracting from everyday activities. Mm, uh, but yeah. Yeah, anyways, so these patterns, they've always been a thing in my life. And I was actually, because of this, I was thinking that I had to go into something very practical. So I was studying science uh, before I became an artist. So I didn't go to art school. I was actually studying these, like the same patterns, but for practical applications. And then I always thought yeah. that I would retire as an artist after I saved up a bunch of money. Uh, but then I got really sick. And it was when I got really sick that I realized like life is too short. This is ridiculous. Why would I, why would I work my whole life uh, to wait to do the thing that I was going to do? Yeah. Then I've been ever since then transitioning into, I mean, I'm doing it now, but I feel like it's still a transition because it's not quite sustainable. Like, as you can tell, I'm doing this and that. I'm still like an experimental phase in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. What was that transition like? Um, it was, it felt so good. It was also terrifying. It was the scariest and best thing that I ever did in life. Yeah. And 
that's kind of, and that's part of what I want to, like, part of what I do in my coaching is, like, I had to get to such a bad, bad place um, in life, and, like, thankfully, I'm doing fine now, but I had to have a lot of major surgeries, and I, like, they didn't know if I would have any kind of normal life. I had this really rare condition, and so it was just, like, why would I have to get to that kind of place to be able to pursue what I want to do? And I want to help other people realize that you don't have to get there. I mean, hopefully you won't get there, but yeah, as you probably know what I'm saying. That happens a lot to people where it's like, got to hit rock bottom before you finally are like, oh, wait, what am I doing with my life? Like why, you know, people are constantly doing things for the future and not that there's anything wrong like that with that like I think there's such a balance and I you know I think there's a balance in a lot of the things that I do I'm not I don't want to spread the message that I don't think everyone can just literally do anything that they want to do but yeah there's a compromise that's too far hmm yeah I really liked what you said about the rock bottom um, and Jasmine has a podcast um, that we will talk about a little bit later, but I was on her podcast, Archives for Aliens, and we were talking about a 12-step program and, and the, uh, like the benefits of a 12-step program. But I think one of the downsides is that rock bottom is um, like encouraged. And a common saying is like, well, you have to let people hit their rock bottom. And kind of what you're saying is that Yes, a rock bottom is what can be like the catalyst for change, but that we shouldn't just like sit around and wait for people to have their rock bottoms before we inspire them to live their best selves almost. Yeah, that is such a good point and such an interesting one too. Um, and I want, I it probably applies to different scenarios of like what your rock bottom would be. So like maybe in some scenarios that is the only option, uh, but hopefully likely for most people it's not. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, and so to kind of go back to the transition point, what would you, you mentioned it's really tricky and that not everyone can just drop their like well-paying jobs and do something that traditionally isn't paid as much. Mm -hmm. um, how would you advise people who want to start out or want to follow their passion, but also like want to be able to do it in a sustainable way? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Uh, I think a, a good place to start out is, is just doing it. Uh, you know, as a hobby, even just doing it, getting into the habit of doing it. And I think for a lot of people that I've worked with, um, you know, quitting your job or something like that, it might be necessary to do in the sense that you, once you quit your job and you follow a creative passion, it feels great because you're, you're like giving yourself that power back and you're saying, yeah, I can do this. And I know I've worked with enough people now to see like there is a certain trend of like, you need to do that sometimes to be able to show yourself that you can follow your creative passion. But then a lot of times it comes back full circle and there's 
more of a balance that comes back into play where it's like, well, I could have, I could have a part-time job or I could, um, you know, do something in a more, I guess, I don't necessarily want to say sustainable because you might, you might find some, uh, some kind of, some kind of business that just works for you right away. Like that could totally happen too. Um, right. But it, I think it's just about where, how comfortable you are with living with certain amounts of risk. You just have to find like what's comfortable for you. And yeah, and I think it is important. I see on the internet a lot, people, it's kind of like a pet peeve of mine, but I'm not necessarily a fan of just like quit everything and just follow mm. your passion because I don't, I don't, I think like 50%, maybe. At least, I mean, this is my belief. I, people might have their own yeah, yeah. things. But I will say when I was 100% just doing studio art without doing all this other stuff and connecting with the world and the community and helping other people, it wasn't that fun for very long for me, even though it is my purest path. It was like not serving others at least as much as I would like. So I bet that everyone has some element of, you know, their creative passion and then also something that helps the world. I think it's like the intersection. Yeah, I like that. And you mentioned helping others and being of service to others and inspiring others quite a couple of times already. What does, what does helping others mean to you? Oh, well, I mean, most specifically, I'm thinking about working with clients, whether it's in coaching or at my job as a facilitator. Yeah, and, and what, um, what drew you to be called to doing that kind of work with helping others? Uh, that's a good question. I, I know I've all, I guess I've always had this balance of I like to make things and I like to help the world. I, um, I can't say exactly what initiated it, but you know, the last thing that I was doing in school, I was, I was in my first semester of medical school. So I like, I was wow. always like in the, like, I should be helping others, but that was like a too far of a should. <laughs> and now I'm like, yes, I like helping others, but I'm not going to compromise my entire life to do it. I'll just compromise some of it to do it. <laughs> oh, interesting. And the should really sticks out to me because that's one of the like classic professions of helping others and being kind of not that there's anything wrong with that of course we need people who want to do that um yeah and some people want to do it a hundred percent yes people who actually want to not feel like they should want to do it yeah hmm. I like that um, and you also talk a lot about art as a form of spirituality or as a spiritual practice. I would love to hear more about that as well. Yeah, uh, so I believe like to be the most human of a human that you can be is to be a creative vessel. 
Uh, and especially, I think this is more important now more than ever because we're in this age of not exactly competition with robots, but I, you know, all this technology is emerging around yeah. us. Things are getting sped up. Things are getting uh, more and more efficient. But I think what makes a human being different than technology is that creative space. And so for me, I guess I honor that creative space as like the divine spark that somehow within all of us. Um, and yeah, so I guess that, that's how I go about it. But I do think there's some element of that within well, there's huge elements of everyone's divine spark, but I think everyone can understand what I'm saying, whether they think it's actually spiritual or not. But I do personally like take it pretty seriously. Like when I'm creating, I'm doing it from a place of that spark and the discovery and like this idea of I'm here to like transmit a, mes a message for the future of earth. Like, working on that <laughs> yeah anyone gets the message I don't know but <laughs> wow that's beautiful have you ever read um Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert no I know her her name sounds so familiar um she I think her biggest hit was um Eat Pray Love yeah I don't think I've actually read um any of her books but I've heard of her a million times so I think I should. you would like her I was just reading it this morning and she was saying she believes that ideas are an entity and they will come to people when they need to be birthed or or brought forward and if you take too long to kind of birth the idea the idea will like go on to someone else um yeah and in the part that I just read today she was saying that um, they used to say that people had genius instead of people were geniuses so that people like genius was like an entity or like a spiritual being that would come to you and guide you as you were creating. Wow, I really relate to that. Yeah, that that's exactly kind of what I'm saying when I'm saying that art is a spiritual thing for me. I think I feel very called to birth these things. I really have no idea why. I don't even like having my name attached to them. Oh, interesting. What do you mean? I hate that. <laughs> I will, I will, I don't sign the front of my paintings. I sign the bottoms um, unless requested, which happens a lot. But you know what? If you buy it and you want it a certain way, I would do whatever you want. It's yours. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't. I don't maybe it's like I don't feel like the traditional I part of me like makes it at least with my paintings yeah so you're like the vessel that's bringing the painting in is that what you mean yeah I mean I don't necessarily like communicate with any specific entities or I you know I don't really know what I'm saying here but <laughs> I definitely okay. I definitely would rather not have them be fully declared as me making them mm, I guess I do, really I do want to tap into the collective 
So maybe it's part of that. Ooh, what does that mean if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, definitely. So, well, so my whole art um, name, the Unus Mundus, uh, means one world in Latin. And it's, oh. I got it from Carl Jung. Ooh, okay. I am a Carl Jung fan. What drew you to his work? I, and this is actually really interesting. I created my art name um, back when I was in high school, actually. So I've always been making art. Hmm, yeah. And I have always not wanted my name attached to it. <laughs> so I wanted to pick, I spent so much time sorting through what the name should be. And I, I had already been reading some of his work, um, but that seemed to be like the essence of something that I could commit my life to. I know, oh. now I've never actually said this. I'm like, that, that was a really good decision and I have no idea how I did that <laughs> at that time. Um, but it just seemed to be like the summary of what I'm working on. Uh, with these patterns and that's my whole thing with the patterns is and the systems is I study I'm interested in studying patterns that reoccur at different scales of existence so like when you look under a microscope and you look out of a telescope there are certain types of forms that uh reoccur throughout all scales and all sizes of reality. Wow. Can you, can you think of an example or what? Yeah. Can you just explain what yeah. you mean? My mind is blown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, so a tree is a really good example. So the, the branching patterns of a tree resemble our vessels, the way that our vasculature system branches. It also is the same way that rivers branch. Uh, that's that's probably one of the easier ones but then even the, yeah. like the ways that galaxies form and the way that stars are created and um, when stars circle around each other that resembles a lot of what's going on in the inside of an atom oh. yeah wow that is so cool. That is so cool. How did you, how did you pick up on these patterns initially? I don't know, to be honest. Um, but I wrote, I wrote a, I wrote one of my college essays on this, like this whole, I had this whole idea of like this macro emergent pattern thing. And I've had this journal. I just started like noting them. Um, it, I don't know. I, I, at one point in time and now I'm, I feel like a little more grounded. Well, I mean, younger people, I don't know. At one point in time, I thought that if I like could collect all of them, then maybe we could predict like what the bigger one was uh, because in science, and this is sort of why I was studying biology. This is by the way, not a good reason to go to medical school. <laughs> You'll spend money better elsewhere. <laughs> but, you know, I was getting really, I. I learned a lot about biology and anatomy um, during this time. And I was also, I also studied physics too. And 
So I was trying to like map these patterns and think about if I could possibly, and I don't know why I thought I could do this, but if I could like predict a larger pattern that we're like in, that we're inside of, that the universe mm. is. Yeah, oh, I see. And so it sounds like you don't think that anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I don't, I'm not gonna do it. Somebody oh. else who wants oh, to study I a see. lot more math than me might want to do it, but uh, it's too, a little too technical because like really what you'd have to do if you really wanted to do that was get all this data and get all the ratios into, you know, formulas and then you could you could do it somebody could predict what the most likely larger forms are someone could do it someone else should do that <laughs> someone else if you're listening wow jasmine that is so so cool that you even have the brain or the like mindset to see those things and to comprehend those things i think i'm just like really in awe of you at this moment well and before <laughs> but but oh, now especially <laughs> thank you i mean yeah sometimes it's good for thinking but only in the last maybe five years have i gotten more in touch with my intuitive reasoning and more of my emotional self Oh, okay. What does that mean? I think more naturally, I lean towards being overly analytical, which is a little unusual, maybe as an artist. I don't know. I am kind of this weird balance because I'm a relatively abstract artist. I don't call myself abstract. Uh, I think what I do is more surreal because it yeah. is based on reality. Um, but, you know, it's, people can call it whatever they want to call it, somewhere in between abstract and surreal. Uh, but, you know, I'm not like, I'm not a technical artist. So I think when I, but when I'm painting, I guess that's always been my key or like my, my place where I can get in touch with that other part of me that mm. isn't always so hyper logical and it, I can start to understand different parts of myself and listen to different parts of myself. So I've learned to take that into my life. And I, I definitely work with a lot of people who have that problem and I help my coaching clients do that as well. Mm. Yeah, you said something that I wanted to touch on which was um, about your reality and your podcast, Archives for Aliens, centers a lot about, or a lot around um, reality. And I know you ask your guests what reality means to them. So I'm curious, what does it mean to you? Ooh, that's a, yeah. Okay, well, I love this question. That's why I, the reason why I ask everybody, I just wanna say is not because I'm trying to quiz people or like <laughs> freak people out. I just think it's fascinating all these different answers that you can get yeah. for it. And I mean, I guess right now, oh, it's definitely, there's definitely a pattern going on. Uh, there's definitely some kind of rhythm that reoccurs. 
but I mean, I think the most fascinating thing, and this is not exactly an answer, but this is the question that I've been on for the last couple of years is, well, like theoretically, if everything that we see outside of ourselves is generated by our own nervous system, then the question I am really interested in is, is it even out there? Or is it everything that we're seeing, even these patterns that I'm talking about now that possibly could predict other forms, is all of that just some representation of how our own brain works to, rep to like represent this data that objectively may be very different than how we experience it. So I almost wonder if these patterns that I'm talking about are, could not be what's out there, but they could be what we are. Oh, so we are the patterns? Is that what you're saying? Somehow, maybe the patterns represent the way our nervous system translates objective reality into data that we can process. Wow. I'm speechless. <laughs> um, okay, what is the difference between objective reality and sub subjective reality? Would that be the right way to phrase that? Yes. Okay. So I'll use this example. Now I have to remember this guy's name. <laughs> I am totally blanking on his name. Hopefully I'll remember his name by the end of this example, but he has a TED talk, I think it is. And it's really good. It he, he has a name for a lot of what this theory is about. And it's, so if you think about your computer, your computer desktop, what a, the file folder in your desktop is basically a string of ones and zeros to the computer. Everything in your computer is just numbers. But to you, it's a picture or it's a file folder. It's not the string of numbers. So the computer is translating the string of numbers to represent something that you can then utilize and use on your computer, if that makes sense. So it's basically yeah. like if reality, if subjective reality could be a string of numbers, but if we showed up at the string of numbers without some kind of translating system, it would be useless. We just we wouldn't know how to like run away from the tiger and eat food. We wouldn't know what to do with the stuff out there. So our nervous system like theoretically developed this way to deal with this data, which would yeah. be our subjective experience. Mm, okay. Okay, so I'm wondering if what part of what you do in coaching is helping your clients to rewire how they view their programming or, or helping them to reprogram themselves to see their reality in a new way. Yeah, that definitely comes up a lot. Uh, I think what I focus on, what I help people with best is helping them see reality more objectively or 
in a more positive light. So kind of the reframe part of it. The reprogramming part, I really honestly, I, that's up to them. Mm -hmm. I know, okay. I mean, I've read a lot of books on like neuro-linguistic programming and things like that, and I'm fascinated by them. But personally, like at least where I'm at right now in my life and like in the kind of work that I do, like I'm not gonna reprogram somebody else if I don't do it right. <laughs> yes, 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 that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that works for some people and I do think there are different situations that come up where that might be the best answer for somebody. And then okay. I go to somebody else. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> if they need that. Interesting. So a lot of what you do is reframing. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I like that. Um, yeah. And broadening, broadening your perspective. Cause I mean, naturally probably you can tell I'm like, I live in this like ethereal, like very big picture thinking. So I'm, I, I am pretty good at helping people like take a step out of themselves and look at the bigger picture, which usually leads to a more objective picture, but some, a lot of that comes down to getting over fears and like being able to depersonalize a lot of situations or things uh, that might be going on in your life. Uh, because when you have fears, then there's all these walls around you. And yeah, this, this is actually my favorite thing that I do. It's Ooh, 100%, yeah. yeah, the best when people break down these walls or they can like just get a glimmer across it. It's like when you're trying to climb a ladder, you're trying to go all these different ways to, to get to the other side and you can finally see like through a penny hole, through a peephole, you can see, oh, there's a whole nother world over there. And I just like close myself off to that. And wow. what really what that is, I think is creativity being more creative because when you have all these barriers around your life um, with the shoulds or with how you think things have to be or you think you've been you're this kind of person or you're like you're not smart or you have too many responsibilities all the can'ts all that kind of stuff comes with these walls and I'm a big believer in not trying to knock the wall down, not also mm. trying to ignore that it's there. I know some people do that and that's kind of a thing that that can work sometimes. Like those perspective shifts where you're just kind of like, say the thing to be not true or you just change your language around the thing. But what, what I'm most excited about is helping people just say, oh, hey, yep, there's a, like a big wall right there. And you know what? I'm a creative person and I can get around it. I can, I can, you know, get some help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ride a unicorn. <laughs> Why? Wow. That is really cool. And actually, I don't know why I'm mentioning Elizabeth Gilbert so much, but in her, I think it's because I'm just reading it. Um, but in her book, she makes a reference of fear and creativity. And she kind of says that fear is like an, an entity as well. And that she's in a road 
she's like in the car and she's going on a road trip and her and creativity are going to be in the front seat and they're going to be the ones who decide where they're going but fear is allowed she's like okay you can come with us but like you're sitting in the back and you actually can't drive and you can't give us any input on where we're going but we're not going to leave you out you can come with us and that's I just took that as like integrating fear into the creative process. Yeah, I'm really into that. Uh, I'm very, yeah, I'm very much into acknowledging all, like all of these negative emotions as opposed to overcoming them. I like to think about it as a dance. What do you mean a dance? Uh, like I think about it as like so if you think about like a partner dance you can almost play off of that negative energy and almost have it bounce you to somewhere that you want to go as opposed to fighting it or shoving it in the corner and like yeah disidentifying it I think causes a lot of problems uh because I think that I think that to properly process an emotion you have to allow yourself to feel it. So I think on when you don't acknowledge it or you try to think yourself happy, then it, it tends to build, I think, in my experience and then the experience I have in working with other people. Uh, but if you can give it, give it a role, which is also kind of like thinking about it being a dance. Um, and, and also, you know, I think that our emotions do have they do have a role, they do have a job, they're telling us something. It might be scream, like it might be shouting it in a, in a tone that we don't like or in a way that we don't wanna hear it, <laughs> but it is, it is a part of you that is saying something. So I think if you can understand it, even if it's not communicating with you in the way that you'd like it to, well, yeah, if you can understand it as a part, a part of yourself and bring it with you. Yeah. Um, and you like Carl Jung, I see, but he talks a lot about your shadow self and your, actually, I don't know, is it the light self? I'm not sure, but the opposite of the shadow self. And I think a lot of the like popular spiritual wellness space is all about like light, light, light and being a light worker, which is awesome, mm -hmm. of course, but it can like tiptoe on like toxic positivity maybe. and. And so can the law of attraction, which I've talked about before, but that like we always have to be positive. And I really like that the shadow self in Carl Jung's philosophy has a place within ourselves. And it's not to eradicate the shadow self or eradicate the ego. It's about like bringing it, it bringing it into part of ourselves and going going as deep as we can so we can go as high as we can, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like I, maybe a summary of my understanding of it, and I don't claim to understand a lot of what he <laughs> said, I'll be studying what he says for a long time, but I think the way I view it is like, you want to understand these darker unconscious parts of yourself so that you can stop shoving them in the corner, which leads to them growing. And also once it's out of the corner and I guess brought into the light or brought into your consciousness, then I think you have the ability to work with it and reason with it. 
and become friends. But if you just disidentify with it and throw it in the corner, then it's going to like wreck havoc in your life in these ways that you're going to be totally unaware of. Yeah. So, yeah. I've heard it. Um, I've heard him say this about not him as if like he's alive and we're friends, but I guess read, <laughs> not heard um, him compare this to the archetypes too, that when we ignore one of our archetypes or even our shadow self, it's gonna act out like a kid if you ignore it for too long. So if you integrate it and like acknowledge it, it's not gonna feel that urge to act out, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I know I've, I've seen this occur with people so many times. Yeah. It really goes against a lot of what yeah, again, like what popular wellness culture uh, dives into, I, I, which is kind of all centered around becoming more efficient, becoming more motivated. And while I definitely believe in those things and think those are good things, I do think if you come at those without getting to the bottom of understanding why you aren't motivated, uh, like a thing that I tell people is, inspiration before action like figure out how to get inspired don't figure out how to force yourself to do something because i think if you're ultimately in the long run i think if you have to force yourself to do something then you're not doing it from the right kind of energy and that that's another unsustainable thing to be doing so even if it's getting the practical result that you want i don't think that's going to be worth it to you in the long run. So even if it takes a longer time, I guess this applies to anything, I think. Um, if it takes a longer time, but you can understand how to get yourself inspired and motivated or, or understanding maybe sometimes why you're not inspired or motivated and maybe you don't need to do whatever that is. <laughs> mm, yeah, maybe it's a sign that you're not supposed to be doing that right now. Yeah. And that reminds me of what I said about uh, Big Magic, that she says that the inspiration is waiting to be birthed by the person that it wants to be birthed by. So if we're forcing ourselves to write, we're blocking ourselves off to all the little entities of inspiration that want to come through. So I think that's really cool that you, you are an advocate of kind of sitting and waiting and, and really being in touch with yourself. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to read that book now too. But I think like that, all of these are the reasons why I call myself primarily a, a creativity coach, even though I'm not helping people most of the time, like on an art project. It's, it's viewing life coaching through the lens of being an artist. And I guess viewing your whole life as a form of art. Oh, that's beautiful. I do want to, I, yeah, I do want to talk about the way that you approach life coaching and personal growth and development with this lens of creativity. So I'd love to hear more about your journey as a life coach and what you do with your clients. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I do. Okay. I remember the guy's name though. So kind of, I want to get his yeah. name in here. He's a great guy. Uh, Dr. Donald Hoffman. He has oh. a tattoo. He's explained a lot of 
what I talked about better. <laughs> okay, I'll find the TED Talk and link it in the show notes too. Okay, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> And so, yeah, the, the coaching. Um, so my first coach training that I did was as a wellness coach. And getting into coaching was for me, my, my first big step towards not just being a studio artist and getting closer into being a, a a community type art, I don't know what the title is, but being yeah. an artist primarily who also does other things for the world and helping people. So that's where, how I got into it in the first place. I wasn't coaching people prior to that, although I was writing a blog and a couple people asked me to coach them. And that's, I never heard of coaching. I, I really, I mean, I think I heard of like health coaching but I didn't understand the concept of it. So I was very confused when this happened. Um, and it's part of what led me to wanting to take the course and understand how maybe I could help people. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, and I'll also say like when I, took, when I took the course, I wasn't necessarily thinking, yeah, I'll be a life coach. I was just thinking this is my next step to see what, I'm going to do. And it wasn't until I realized that I could tie it back into creativity that I realized that it was, it was the direction I was actually going to go in beyond class. Wow. That is really cool. I love to see how that, that really tied in for you. Yeah. It's, it's been just kind of like a molding. There was that. And then I took another course or training series after that, um, which was a teaching artist training series. And that's how I learned how to tie art into like curriculum. So basically it's like a training that helps artists, studio artists, uh, learn how to build curriculum um, for mostly educational purposes. Like a lot of the people in my training were, uh, you know, working in schools. Some of them were art teachers, but some of them were just like a history teacher who's also an artist who wants to learn how to use art in the classroom. So that's like where the birth of my, my workshops came from. That is really cool, Jasmine. Thank you. I love that. Um, and so to pivot a little bit, um, I know that your spiritual practices do involve your art and your creativity. Um, and I'm wondering if you could expand a little bit on your on your spiritual beliefs or your spiritual rituals or whatever it is that you do. Yeah. So I'm always trying different things. I feel, in a way, I feel unsettled in my, like, because I don't have any, I mean, I do have things I'm doing now, but I'm not committed to any one. Well, there's a couple. I would say getting out in nature is definitely related. That's something I know I'll do forever. Mm. Um, I'm a big a walker, um, but I say that hesitantly because there's like so many different types of movement that I've had that kind of quietness with. Yeah. 
um, concentrated, slow movement. Uh, that's something that is important to me. And then some, some form, which a lot of the time walking, at least for me, coincides with a meditative practice, uh, but some kind of mindfulness or getting quiet with myself and journaling, which sometimes is literal journaling for me, but I've started to accept, I don't, or not accept, I don't know why I didn't realize this. Like sometimes I would journal and I would feel great, but then when I would stop journaling, I would feel really sad. Like, oh, why am I not journaling or just being hard on myself about it? But I realized that for me, sometimes drawing or doing things that are not in words are like the form of journaling. And all this, once I started recognizing that, I was just like, yeah, that's a part of my journal. And in a lot of ways, I guess you could say being an artist is just my giant public journal. <laughs> in, a, in a way, it kind of is uh, because I explore a lot of these issues. In, in pictures and colors. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a I, answer. No, it's not a big answer at all. I actually really like it. Um, yeah. The first thing I was going to say was I was in a coaching session with a client and she was under the belief that her like morning and evening routine had to be like very like I spend 10 minutes on journaling and then I take a 30 minute shower and then I do this, 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 and this. And she was feeling really overwhelmed and, and stressed about like the shoulds. Um, and we were talking about how a ritual or a routine or a practice can be intuitive and flowing and kind of whatever it feels right to you. And that reminded me, I was reminded of that when you were speaking of kind of you're either journaling or drawing or sometimes you're walking or doing another slow kind of movement. Like you're really listening to your needs. And so I really appreciate you saying that. And then I really appreciated you saying what you said at the beginning, which is that you do a lot of different things. You're very, or, but it also makes you feel like unstructured, I think is the word that you used, um, mm -hmm. which I feel like is common when we don't have a, a strict name for what we label ourselves in our spirituality, especially because we grew up with like the main religions being the one that we see. And if you're not one of those religions, then like, what are you? So I really appreciate that you said that you do have this kind of flexibility around your routines and practices. Yeah, I really, I, I think it's so important to recognize too, this idea of a lot of us are living in this Thing where we don't identify with a religion, but I, I, act, I feel like I'm religious to the universe. Yeah. Like I say, oh. I, I say things like, I mean, you kind of heard just the way that I talk about my art. Like I, I feel like I don't like I'm working for the earth. Like I don't know. I don't. It doesn't have a specific name, and I also don't need it to. But it does have a feeling and it does have a meaning to me. Oh, that is really beautiful. Thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, you're so right that it can feel, it is a, it, it feels religious, but there's not a, like a religion uh, label or title associated with what you are feeling because it's so personal to you. Is that what kind of what you meant? 
Yeah, exactly. And and I do dabble with like a lot of different spiritual practices because I think there's something really cool about honoring whatever that is. Uh, and I've been really into reading about magic lately, uh, especially like chaos magic. I just think it's so fascinating because I've always been into wandering and into, I have a thing going on, actually, I have a, well, it's gonna be over by the time this comes up, but I'm doing this thing with random numbers right now, giving a, um, I'm selling packages with random numbers for my Ooh. art, a random package to honor the randomness of the world. That is so cool. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I have so much I want to say about this. One, I love it. <laughs> Two, I am so interested to hear more about your magic or like more about the magic you're focusing on. And three, you call your coaching chaos to order coaching. So is, is that kind of tied in? Oh, just tell me all the things. Biggest inside joke. I'm so glad you noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I named this is hilarious I named my coaching business chaos to order at the same time that I was preparing for my like one of my first big art shows which was called chasing chaos <gasps> no one noticed and I was just like okay guys let's just go with it like no one's noticing I mean it's a good name it feels like a good name. And totally. I do think by order, I think I mean order within yourself, like clarity within you, who you are. But I named it with the two, the number two, uh, kind of going with this idea of like chaos and order. So chaos to order and order to chaos. And like, I think that's where all well, all wellness or unwellness arises. It's like, are you in balance with those two things? Not like just moving from chaos to order. There's order to chaos. There's a a term in physics, and I'm you would know more than me because <laughs> I didn't know I never studied it. But there's a word that talks about like it's a scientific thing where something. This all sounds very Entropy? jumbled. Coming, yeah. <laughs> Can you explain that better than I did? <laughs> sure, I will do my best. So I think, well, so entropy is this, is the measurement of disorder or randomness. And it's one of the like general laws of the universe where like things, if you let them be, they will become disordered. Like if something dies, the corpse, like the molecules, like everything will become disordered. And life, like especially human life, like we're constantly ordering things. Um, so we, okay, this, can, this doesn't have to do with physics. This is just going on randomly. <laughs> As human beings, I think what we do, we, we put things into order. And the universe is, is disordering them. In a, in a balanced kind of a way. Like there's a certain kind of rate of disorder or like uh, when things decay, like nuclear decay. A probabilistic balance disorder. Okay, I see. Okay, so that kind of ties into the work that you do and then it's kind of 
me not really understanding physics. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand it either. I don't understand. I don't understand a lot of the things that I studied. Like, I'm not claiming to understand them. <laughs> I just like to read. I really like to read things I don't understand. Yes, well, that's how you understand it, is by reading things you don't understand eventually. Sure, you make a little progress each time. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're almost at the end of the hour. So I'm going to ask you the, the four questions I ask all my guests. The first one is, what would you tell your younger self knowing all that you know now? I would say have the courage to reasonably do what you want to do now. Yeah, that's reasonably though. perfect. May not everyone needs that, but I do. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and what do you hope to learn from your future self? I am really excited for my future self because I think, I think I hope to learn how to balance my energy. Yeah. I love that. I love it chaos and order yeah <laughs> um and then how do you connect with your higher self well it's probably an easy one we probably talked about this a lot but the highest version of myself generally comes through when i am creating pure art meaning usually for me, visual art. I'd say pure art, just to kind of distinguish that from like, it, that doesn't always come through like when I'm writing an essay, even if it's a thought form. Yes, that makes sense. Okay. And the last question is, what does empowered spirituality mean to you? I think it means honoring, honoring yourself, honoring, who you are and yeah be, being able to stand up for your own version of how you want to see the world really because there's kind of some choice to it and I think yeah being being authentic to yourself for yourself I love it I love it and will you tell everyone how they can view your art, how they can work with you, how they can listen to your podcast, all the things? Yeah. Okay. So if you want to view my art, I think that would be awesome. I love art followers or commenters, anything like that. Um, Instagram is the best way for my art. And that's unis underscore mundis underscore art. I also have a website where you can look at a more organized version of what I do. And I have a blog where you can read super weird stuff that is actually my personal journal um, and random thoughts that I'm having while I'm making the things. Uh, Archives for Aliens is my podcast. You can find that on Apple, uh, Spotify, you know, any of the places, the podcast. I do, it does have an Instagram, but really it just has an Instagram to I don't know, I guess keep 
I guess so I can post an image for the guests. That's why it has an Instagram. The, uh, and it has a link there so people can find it. Uh, then chaos to the number two order coaching.org is my website for coaching. And I have offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have uh, a free creativity assessment you can do with me over the phone. If you're feeling like you wanna understand where you might be lacking in creativity. And this is 100% applies to your general wellness and status as a human being. It's not about your craft, but it could be, it might be. Uh, so yeah, and I have workshops on there also. I don't currently have any scheduled though. I awesome. probably will. Ooh. Yeah, let me know when you do and I'll let everyone know. Okay, awesome. Thank you yeah. so, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jasmine. You are just so um, intelligent and just seeing the way that your mind works and seeing you're, you're obviously creative because I can see like the art behind you and stuff, but you're creative in the sense that the way that you put your thoughts into, you're creating your thoughts into words in a way that is, um, understandable and just the way that you present yourself you're just a very creative spiritual person um i just am so in awe of you thank oh, you so much for you. coming i'm so <laughs> glad you understand the words sometimes they don't always come out <laughs> in order that is understandable but i really i appreciate this space so much because i felt like i could just really show up and explore and I've been on other podcasts where they try to corner me into boxes and I'm just like, okay, fine. I'll give you the answer again. Oh. This is great. oh, I'm so glad. I know a lot of people are going to feel really seen by this episode or, and, or very inspired by this episode. So I, I am really excited for people to listen to this. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Wow. What an amazing, amazing episode. I know I say that at the end of every episode or every interview, but it's just always true. <laughs> um, in the ending of the episode, Jasmine talked about how you can work with her, how you can see her art, how you can listen to her podcast, and that will all be linked in the show notes below. I'm also going to link to her exploratory coaching call, which is a 30-minute call for free in the show notes. She also mentions the TED Talk, which I will also listen or link to down below about reality. Um, if you liked this episode, which I have to say you probably did because it was amazing, <laughs> um, please give it a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app on iTunes. Um, giving it a five-star review helps boost this podcast and helps boost this work so that more people can feel inspired, empowered, and in connection with their highest self. <clears throat> Thank you so much to Jasmine. Oh, it was amazing. If you liked this podcast, go check out her work. And if you liked this episode, maybe share it on your story and tag both of us so that we know how much you enjoyed it. In the meantime, namaste. It can be challenging to find a community of supportive people to share in our spiritual journeys with. 
We all need support and love no matter where we are on our personal journeys. So I am excited to announce that I have created the space for just that. In the Empowered Spirituality community, you will receive a weekly video lesson, weekly journaling prompts, access to an additional guided meditation every week, monthly group meetings and teachings via Zoom, and access to a loving and supportive online community. Additionally, all members will receive 20% off of all of their coaching sessions. You can follow the link in the show notes for this community offer or visit patreon.com slash empowered spirituality.